Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Gangsters, what's up, guys? Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, yes, right on the screws to 9.50 a.m. Pacific. Ken Flo's been in the seat since 9.30, though. Waiting for you, kid. Where, where you been? C- quarter of an hour early today. You have a rocky... Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu co-founder, Kenny Floyd. I've been waiting for you. You have like 30 kids now, so I, I get huh. it. I know why you're late. Congratulations, Papa. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. Can you believe there was a penis in there after all that? <laughs> I can't. I mean, one out of three, 33%. You know, you nailed it. That was good. You got well, one of them. You know how I feel about my daughters and how strongly I feel about the father-daughter thing and how happy I was when you and your (laughs) wife welcomed a daughter into the world back in February. But we didn't find out this time, so the suspense Mm. was there, and the fact that a boy popped out. Like, every time I change his diaper, I'm checking to make sure that this is a reality because (laughs) the fact that we didn't find out and then there was a boy in there and you got two girls at home. My mom's got six granddaughters. Like, we are just running with the girls. (laughs) And I still am in shock that, that, that there is a boy in this equation. Hunter J has arrived. Dude, the Anik name survives. Congratulations. I, we were pumped for you, man. For better awesome. or for worse. Yes. I, you know, it's interesting. <laughs> and I appreciate all the support from you and from everybody else sincerely. I, and I'm not on Facebook, but I see every message. So thank you all. But it's like when you have children and you have two girls, right, and you go through the different emotions and they're the best of friends, injecting a third girl into that equation, I just – I don't know how that would have played out. And then you you allow yourself to have these thoughts as a father like what exactly would I do with that third girl, you know? I don't know what I would have done with a a third girl. So I am (laughs) over the moon to have a son. Uh, And I think the only thing that can get me down today, Ken Flo, is Mm. that I'm going to be 40 in the morning. Dude, that's so. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's no good. That's no good. Anyway, you slice it. And I mean, I know you're aging in reverse. You're like Benjamin Button, right? And if they open <laughs> me wish. and you up, right, I'm Diet Coke and you're like whey protein. <laughs> so we know I'm probably 50 and you're like 30. 
But I'm going to be 40 in the morning, Kenny, and I'm, I am not looking forward to it. I don't want birthday tweets. I'm, I'm not in a great place about that, but I'm a happy father. Everyone course. tweet, John, a happy 40th birthday. Yes. Please do not. So yeah. it is Monday. It is July 2nd, 2018, episode 161 of the Anakin Florian podcast. And the real reason why I'm jumping out of my skin today, it's not the, the sugar-free monster energy drink that I am drinking right now. <laughs> But this is the biggest fight week of the year, Ken Flo. I know you've got yeah. your boots on the ground in Vegas come Wednesday night. And the fight card differs every year. We remember what happened last year with UFC mm-hmm. 213 and Amanda Nunes and, and Valentina Shevchenko and everything else. But this is about as big as it gets. Like, it doesn't feel George St. Pierre, BJ Penn, UFC 94 big back mm-hmm. in 2009, right? But this is one of the five to seven biggest fights in UFC history just based upon the stakes never mind who's fighting well that's right I mean we, we it's rare in the UFC that we have true super fights where you get guys from two different weight classes going at it not only do we have that we have two champions the light heavyweight champion taking on the heavyweight champion this is the first time this has ever happened in the UFC and we have two fantastic champions Stipe Miocic who many regard as the best heavyweight of all time along with Cain Velasquez taking on Daniel Cormier um, and uh, a guy who a lot of people think uh, one of the greatest of, of all time, uh, it, certainly in his weight class, maybe just across all weight classes now, if he's able to pull this off against yeah. Stipe Miocic. Um, two uh, unbelievable wrestlers, two guys that uh, have you know, experienced a tremendous amount of success at the highest level in the UFC, uh, and it's an intriguing fight. What a crazy sport to think that Daniel Cormier here at 39 years old has put himself in position, at least arguably, to be within one win of being in the conversation as the greatest of all time. And I know John Jones is going to turn his nose up at that. And when I used to call Jones the GOAT before others considered him such, he used Mm -hmm. to give me shit about it, right? He didn't want that distinction. Now, the fact that people are mentioning Cormier in that context, you know, has has drawn the attention of John Jones. But it's not about John Jones. Of course, it's about Stipe, and it's about D.C. One factor that I think is interesting Mm -hmm. is the fact that D.C. does have Cain Velazquez at his disposal. You know, one thing we don't talk a lot about when it comes to AKA is that at least when Rockhold was in his prime and Kane and, and DC, sometimes you don't have those core key guys, right? And Luke, of course, went down to South Florida for a little while. It's hard to quantify what that means for Daniel Cormier, but I would think just in terms of the confidence, the fact that he's been, you know, dripping sweat with Kane Velasquez every day is a feather in his cap come Saturday night. Yeah, let me tell you something about Daniel Cormier. Uh, he's a very smart guy, and he took this fight for a reason. Um, he has experienced what it's like to fight a high-paced fight uh, against an excellent heavyweight champion who can strike and wrestle uh, at, at, at that tremendous pace, like uh, Stipe Miocic. So um, I think that DC likes his chances because of that. Um, you know, I, I will probably break down the fight a little bit more, but yeah. um, I, I think that it, it's interesting that Daniel Cormier, not only does he have Kane as, at his disposal for this training camp, but he's trained with him for years, for years. Right. So he knows what it's like to suffer in there against a big heavyweight. Um, Daniel Cormier is an undefeated heavyweight at the end of the day. We can't forget about that. Um, and uh, again, I think it's huge that he has been able to train with Kane. Kane has been, you know, in and out with injuries, uh, but to have him at his disposal, as you said, uh, for this training camp is huge. 
So DC went 13-0 and as a heavyweight in mixed martial arts. A lot of quality wins in there, not the least of which the 25 minutes against Josh Barnett that he was very emotional after the fact at just the physical toll of that fight. Then it was nine cuts down to 205 pounds. That wayward 206.2-pound cut in there as well. But So DC, after nine straight at light heavyweight, is back up to heavyweight here. And when you look at the body of work at heavyweight, certainly there's not a loss in there. Four of his last six wins at heavyweight were by decision. So when I look at power in this equation and as a factor against Stipe, at least on paper for me, I think Stipe's got the power with the hands, plausibly with the feet as well. I know DC's probably the better kicker, but... I think when you look at paths to victory for Daniel Cormier, that at least with his hands or with a hook, it's going to be hard to to, to get that big old head of Stipe's out of there. I, I think so. Listen, DC does uh, have the ability to knock you out. Does he have Stipe Miacic power? Probably not. DC hits very hard, but you look at the structure of his body, he's not built like a Stipe Miacic. You know, Stipe, uh, Stipe's head is like a, a TV monitor. It's oh. huge. <laughs> his shoulders, everything. The guy is massive. DC isn't built like that, but he dis- does hit very, very hard. DC's hands, they're not the biggest in the world. His wrists, all that stuff. Um, you know, he can wrestle at the heavyweight level. Can he get the kind of knockout power that an Ngannou or a Miacic has? Probably not. Um, but he will have the speed advantage. Uh, I, I truly believe that, and I think that's why yeah. DC likes this fight. The other thing that I don't think a whole lot of people are talking about is, you know, when you're getting ready for a fight, and, and DC has experienced this many times, when you're cutting weight and you're getting down to 205 pounds, which isn't the easiest thing in the world for guys like Daniel Cormier, um, you know, it, it affects your confidence because, you know, you're cutting weight, you know, your caloric intake isn't the same, you don't have that same energy, you don't have that same pep in your step, uh, for those last few weeks leading into camp. DC has that now. He, he doesn't have to worry about, you know, having to eat, you know, restricted diets and all that stuff. That gets you down. It gets you stressed. Right. And I think all those little things leading into fight week are huge for guys like Daniel. Um, the fact that he can eat, not whatever he wants, but he can eat, the, right. you know, way more quantities than he's used to leading into camp, which is going to lead to better training sessions, better sparring sessions. Uh, and that's huge for a fighter heading into a big fight like this. And he has the heavyweight experience, right? I mean, in one breath, I would say there are fighters like Dominic Cruz who say the suffering prior to the fight helps them, not just in terms of the cardio, but just having gone through that fight night seems easy. Is there anything to be lost, right? For Daniel Cormier. I mean, it's, it's hard. I mean, you would know the inner workings of his training camp better than I would and all the better idea after I talk to him tomorrow. Mm. But for me, I think, you know, is there something to be gained for DC, right? You mentioned all the gains, but is there something to be lost by the fact that he hasn't had to watch everything in his mouth and hasn't had to monitor every cardio session for eight weeks? Well, you know, listen, I think as far as cardio and conditioning, all that stuff, uh, you have to do the same. You have to do the same amount of work, uh, if not more. Um, I think DC understands that he is going to be the smaller guy. Speed has to be his friend here. Um, He's not going to have the same kind of power. He's not going to have the same kind of strength against someone like Estipe Miocic. So for DC, he's going to have to be on his bike. His footwork's going to have to be tremendous. He's going to have to be in and out. He's going to have to be very defensively sound here against someone like Stipe. You can make a mistake kind of like he did early in that fight against Avukin Uzdemir. You cannot do that against someone like a Stipe Miocic. So that window or um, that margin of error at the heavyweight uh, division isn't the same as other divisions. You make one mistake as a heavyweight as far as getting hit in the head, 
anywhere yeah. in the head, um, yeah. and that could be the last time you get hit. You'll, you'll be asleep. So um, DC has to be very careful uh, with a guy as powerful as Stipe Miocic. Stipe has evolved into a guy many consider the greatest UFC heavyweight of all time. The yes. confidence uh, for this guy is just incredible. And I got to think there's part of him that likes the opportunity to take on this former Olympian and a more decorated wrestler than he's ever faced. I also think we're all human beings, and he's probably happy that he's not sharing the octagon with Francis Ngannou Saturday night, right? I mean, right. there are different parts to this challenge, obviously, with Cormier. And the first time that DC is able to ground Stipe, if that happens, we'll see how Stipe reacts. But there were a lot more unknowns, I think, for Stipe Miocic going into that Francis Ngannou fight, maybe, than there are going into DC. You think that's fair to say? I think that's fair to say. Listen, uh, there's very few guys uh, in the world that can hit as hard as uh, Ngannou. Um, and you look at Stipe's body of work leading up to this fight here against DC. He's faced a lot of different fighters. He has the experience now. You look at uh, the Stipe Miocic that lost against Stefan Struve to the Stipe Miocic that's fighting now at this level. It's two different guys. Right. And, and we talked about that when we called that fight. Uh, we knew that this was going to be an incredible learning, um, you know, uh, a lesson for Stipe Miocic back when he lost against Stefan Struve. And from there, he's pretty much been unbeatable um, and has learned a lot over his UFC career. So he knows how to train now. He knows how to prepare. He's faced and, and seen it all now in the octagon at this point. Uh, and that's why we're seeing such a confident Stipe Miocic. For me, though, you know, for DC, where, where DC is most vulnerable is against kickers. Guys who can kick high and kick hard, can kick to the body. Stipe Miocic isn't really that guy. Now, he might come in with that tool heading into this training camp, you know, or, or for this fight against DC. Um, because just the way that DC tends to lean back and, and off to the side, he's most vulnerable against guys who can really kick very well. A guy like a John Jones, as we saw. So um, I don't think he needs to worry about that here against Stipe. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Stipe has seen that. Stipe and his team have seen that uh, and, and might throw a different tool in there uh, against Daniel. And Stipe, longer than you think, not a John Jones 84-inch reach, but up over 80 inches for yep. the UFC heavyweight champion. All right, more on that later. Full breakdown coming up in the main event challenge, including Ken Flo's pick with round and method of victory. But let's get to Ray Longo. Now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Going to have to update that graphic and get the welterweight Ray Longo in there. Oh, Good Monday man. to you, man. Hey, first off, congratulations again. That's uh, very big news, John. How's the uh, baby? The baby is alive, my man, you know. That, it's a that's boy. Right. That's all I can say. It is a boy. <laughs> that's it. Congratulations, man. Very, very happy for you, buddy. I appreciate it, man. So how you doing? We, we missed you last week, obviously. What's good in your world? Yeah, nothing much, man. Just gearing up for this week in Vegas. Very excited about, uh, you know, inducting my buddy into the Hall of Fame. Big news, big stuff. Everybody's getting psyched. Uh, I really look forward to uh, going to the fights and hanging out in Vegas and doing the Hall of Fame. Great, great week coming up. So I got my hands on the Hall of Fame format, and I was able to see how many minutes they have budgeted for your speech. <laughs> I, we, we, were, we were way off, by the way, when we were talking. Well, John what did they tell play? you? What did they tell you? Well, they originally said five minutes. Okay. So I think, uh, you know, so I, I put it together, and I actually originally had it like a 10-minute deal going on. So right. I cut, cut everything down. I had five minutes. I put it in. They loved it. 
and he kind of said, no, nah, you don't have to really hold to the five minutes. We'll give you a little more time. Cause he, he wanted me to add a couple of things that I kind of talked about, but not, I expounded about. So he kind of, we're going back and forth. He kind of gave me some stuff. So I still haven't had the final draft in, but uh, yep. the framework is there I'm very, and I'm excited about it. So, so you're not the prototypical inductor, right? You're an entertaining guy. We don't, we don't want to leash on Ray Longo. I saw it All formatted right. for six minutes. So I'm hoping you give us at least six minutes strong yeah, and it's Thursday looks- night, July 5th, this Thursday, you can see it on UFC fight pass. So, I'm excited, ma'am. I'm excited to watch you read a teleprompter as I sit there hazing you I, from the back. That's what I'm excited I think about. I'm, I don't know if I'm reading it. Even everybody's telling me to do the teleprompter. Though, they are trying to put a leash on me, though, a little bit. So I'm, uh, this is the last uh, conversation we're having today. So I hope, okay. I, can, I hope I can loosen the leash a little bit. But uh, nothing nothing crazy, just uh, the organization of it. But uh, it should still be good. And I think I'm, I think I'll be good for six minutes. It depends on, you know. The audience's response to some of my stupidity. So I don't. We will, uh, we will see. I don't think there's any way it will be longer than last year's uh, Hall of Fame ceremony. Oh wow! Oh, it was like, it was like an eight-hour ordeal. Oh, yeah, that, that was insane. Thinking. Oh man, no, I don't want. Oh, like, I need. I need like three intermissions for that thing. That's <laughs> crazy. Uh, efforts yeah. have been my, made my, to, my buddy to Kevin short. James because I'm a name-dropping piece of shit. But my brother, he said. You're better off, want, you know, instead of overdoing it, leave them wanting more. So yes. that's what I'm doing. I'm just going to dangle the carrots, get it done, and <laughs> leave them wanting more. I'm going with the advice from uh, a great guy. Nice. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, as our late producer, Bruce Connell, always said, less is more. And less we're is excited, more. of course, to, to induct Bruce Connell this weekend. So I'm trying to figure out how to pivot from Stipe DC to Uluka Sasaki, but I just want to bring it up very quickly because we were off after the Singapore show, and this is your guy who had a fight go away very long for this flyweight division. A lot of people think his ceiling is high, and I think higher after submitting the very tough Filipino Janelle Lauza back on June 23rd. I was watching this from a hospital room, um, but a nice win for your guy Sasaki. Were you watching live or after the fact? No, I watched it live. I got up at 4.30 in the morning. Yeah, you did. And uh, I watched the fight, which is crazy. It kind of killed my day because, um, you know, whatever. But uh, I was really, really happy for this kid. He's a great kid, great energy in the gym. And I tell you, I thought he, he fought a very, very smart fight. You know what I mean? Like, before he left, I said, look, fight to your strengths. Let's get it to the floor. Not that he understood a word I was saying, but, <laughs> you know, we kind of... You know, I think he followed the game plan, and his stand-up is really good. I, be- I believe he could have stood up with him, but, you know, I wasn't there. I sent Aljo with him, and Aljo's great with the grappling, so I figured he was going to be very, very, uh, you know, coached coach very, very well with Aljo there on the floor, and Aljo's great even with the stand-up. So I thought he fought a very smart fight against a, a big puncher, and he, he took away that guy's game uh you know, pretty handily, I thought, you know, so really, really happy for him. Can't wait to get him back in the gym, keep that stand up going. And I think he's, you know, like, again, his record doesn't show it, but I could tell you, man, being in the gym with him, I'm going with that. The ceiling is really, really high for this kid. It really is. He's very, very talented and he is technical standing up. I think maybe it just maybe has to believe in it a little more, but he could do things that a lot of other guys can't do. I really lo- love this kid. Yeah. Yeah, and with his reach, man, he's going to be a problem. Uh, are you going to learn Japanese in the next three to six months, Ray? Is that possible? I'll give you a good story. Somebody gave me a translator to use. So the first <laughs> – 
time I use, I go, let's start off simple. I go, hello, into the translator, and then the Japanese comes up. He's laughing. I go, what are you laughing about? He goes, telling me to take a shower. So I, go, I, took, the, I took the translator, threw it in the garbage. I'm not even joking. I told the poor guy, you know, I told him to take a shower. It was horrible. But he, he's a great sport, and he's, you know. He, he's really good energy for the gym, man. He is a funny dude. Good, and again, the That's last six months, really, all I beat into his head was range, range, and more range. He's got great range when he wants, and he's got fabulous angles, Ken. You'd like, you'd love to watch this kid work. That's awesome. The translator doesn't speak New York, so that's the problem, I think. Yeah, uh, no, like... the translator wasn't. Oh, no, that translator. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, man, listen. So I got to ask you about your other guy. Uh, obviously, Ali Aquinto was supposed to fight Justin Gaethje. That didn't go down. What the hell happened? Man, I got to tell you, man, really, really upset. I was looking forward to that fight, yeah. but his body's beat up. Mm. Uh, you know, he's been sparring and, uh, he just, you know, I think his knees broke down again. And then because of that, his back went out. So yeah, he was Jeez. just miserable. Like, but, uh, you know, I love him. I, I just feel for him. I just, you know, I, I just think this is going to be an ongoing thing. And, you know, he was looking great. That's all I could say. And he was psyched for the fight. Hey. Everybody was psyched for the fight, but. I I I feel I just feel for him. I really do. I think he's in a, a weird spot with the injuries, and he wants to do the right thing. He wants to fight and whatever. It is it, it isn't anything that requires more surgery or anything like that. Or no, I don't think so. I think okay. he's done with the surgery. I mean, if he has to go for surgery again, it's just the nature of his knee. How it's yeah, I yeah. think it's the nature of the knee. But it was doing good. But I guess when he picked up the sparring, he was sparring some heavier guys, but light, not not crazy sparring. Yeah. Um. You know, it's like, Kenny, if your knee goes out and then you start walking different and the next thing you know, your back's out. Or, you know, right. It's just, you know, it's that. Your other knee could go out, too. It, exactly. Yeah, it's a problem. So it's not really like, you know, another operation. And and I tell you, man, he's so good with the rehab. And every th time he comes to the gym, he does the same exercises over and over again. Yep. Very, very disciplined. But so I think that's what leads to the frustration. You know what I mean? I think he's doing everything right. And then if he doesn't feel it, man, I don't know. Yeah. No, he needs the mind and the body to be aligned, and obviously they aren't going to be for the Gaethje fight. More on that later in the show. But I got this, Ray, from BJPenn.com, and I know Ken Flo's making you sweat there a little bit with a hard-hitting yeah, question, you. but I, I got a the softball for you. So, <laughs> All right, BJPenn.com. According to Robert Whitaker's manager, Titus Day, Whitaker is hoping to defend his title against the former champion Chris Weidman hey. at UFC 231 in November, expected to occur inside Madison Square Garden in Weidman's native New York State. So, again, people thought I was beating a, a Sarah Longo drum and that I was injecting Weidman into this conversation. The fact of the matter is he has a finish over the other guy they're considering in his last fight. you got to like the news that Whitaker would like to get Weidman on the resume, and that might be the next fight for your boy. Listen, man, they, 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 I don't think there can be better news than that, you know, so... Uh, I saw the yeah. same thing you saw. It's not obviously nothing's finalized yet, but yeah, that'll be a that'll be a great fight. Looking forward to that too, man. It's wow. uh, big stuff, and again, it gets him right back where he wanted to be. And uh, yeah, good, all, all positive stuff. It's very interesting too, and when it comes to a champion calling his shot, right? Because this is a two-man race with Kelvin Gastelum and Chris Weidman. The fact that Robert Whitaker wants to go into the belly of the beast and fight Chris Weidman in New York—I mean, he's already building up the underbelly to that fight. 
right? Yeah, Not to I mention think. the fact that getting a guy like Chris Weidman on your record is something that I'm sure Whitaker desires. Which is which I agree with, and I think uh, fighting Chris, more eyeballs are going to be on that fight than if he fought Gastelum. So. Um, I believe anyway, and uh, yeah. and that's not a take away from Gastelum. You know, I always talk highly about him, and I love him. I'm not sure what kind of a draw he is, but right. I think for this fight, that probably would be a bigger fight. I would think. Yeah, and, and Ray, I, is Chris back to uh, hitting with that hand yet? Yeah, he's back to hitting with the hand. Yeah, that's great. so okay. far so good. Knock yeah. on wood, so far so good. Yeah, nice. All right, we'll get you out of here on this. Obviously, a big one this weekend. Stipe, Miacic, Daniel Cormier, Max Holloway, Brian Ortega for the UFC Featherweight Championship. Which way are you leaning in these two fights? And ultimately, just curious to get some extended thoughts on how you think it'll go for DC returning here to the heavyweight division. Yeah, I got to tell you, I, I love all four guys. I think all four guys are absolutely fantastic. But I'm going to pick, obviously, Stipe. Because uh, I know him and I love him. And uh, I just think he's... No, DC did do good with the heavyweight division in strike force. I think that was a long time ago. Uh, I think he's got a big, big problem with Stipe. If he can't get this guy on his back consistently and Stipe's got a good gas tank, that's a big boy, man. He hits hard. Uh, he's got a good gas tank. And that should be a... I, look, I'm really looking forward to the fight, but I'm going with Stipe. And... I'm going to go with Holloway in the second fight. I love Brian Ortega. I love the backstory. I think he's got momentum also. He's got, it looks like he's got destiny on his side, but I think Holloway's fought the better guys. He's got the more experience, and I think he's the guy to beat in that division, and it might be a little too soon for Ortega, but we'll find out another great fight that, uh, you know, I, I really can't wait. I think they're fantastic matchups. So are they giving you the VIP treatment the rest of the weekend after you induct your friend Matt Sarah into the UFC Hall of Fame Thursday? I'll let you know on uh, Monday. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It appears, well, just... it appears like it's heading in that direction. but uh, Okay. With, All right. Well, I, I hope so. But I hope to be – I definitely have tickets to, to the fights uh, Friday and Saturday, which I'm very excited right, for. I'll have my wife with me, and she's Oh, excited, yeah. I was so. going to ask. This yeah. is big stuff. Big stuff, John. Oh man, I just Harris can't wait to watch. I'm afraid. I I'm afraid you're gonna throw me off of my game, you know, fucking around with me. Because I gotta go out there first off the top of the show. And for me too, and Kenny knows this better than anyone, I have a hard time sitting still, keeping my body tight, so in a stuffy Hall of Fame setting doesn't necessarily dovetail with my skill set. So I get more nervous for something like this than I do calling a big pay per view. So I'm excited oh, to get yeah, this no, out of the way. No, this is that. Look, I say if we can, I'd love to come up with a safe word that if I mention, I, it, if I yes. start having a panic attack, you just come over and read the rest of my speech for me. Is that can yes. we make that? Can we make that happen? If we can reciprocate that, if something happens to me, I need you to back me up. Yeah, like if if somehow I just you know blurt out cuckold, you know, just come over and grab <laughs> yeah. the mic. Yeah. Like, oh my I can, god! I can do this to Kenny all day. Wow, long. that really. Now, look, uh, we're, I can we're, do that. We're, I just might, like a Tourette's patient up there, I just might just start, you know, twitching. Come out and save me. Oh, my goodness. Yes or no? That's hilarious. <laughs> we're going to work on a safer safe word when we let you go. Thank you, Ray. Love you, buddy. We'll see you in a few days, all right? All right, guys. Thank you. It's always a pleasure, man. See you, Ray. 
Fake Man, I'm telling you. He's the best. Hey, Longo. <laughs> oh, it's so interesting. And, and um, some of our listeners are probably sick of me talking about the Ray Longo Minute and how it originated. It been a part of the show since episode one. But never did we think that we would have all of these interesting things happening, whether it's with Chris Weidman or Ally Quinta or Aljamain Sterling or that Ray would pick up a guy in Uluka Sasaki. We were putting him on for the New York accent and sort of the comedic value. And, and yes. what's been really interesting is the fact that all of his high-profile fighters have stayed relevant, maybe in the case of Iaquinta, made more headlines than we ever dreamed of. And a guy in Aljamain Sterling, you know, looks well on his way to contention. So uh, good stuff from Longo, as usual. First, this, though, from Toyo Tires, UFC featherweight Brian T-City Ortega absolutely loves the fight, loves the strategy. You MMA fans know that. But you know what else he loves Toyo tires, because like Ortega, Toyo tires are as tough as they come, and they are the official tire of the UFC. There's a lot to love about Toyo tires, aggressive design, proven on and off-road capabilities. These are tires for any weather, and they've got the toughness to back up that claim. There's just a confidence that comes with tough tires, so no matter what you're driving, no matter where you're driving, you can count on Toyo tires. Of course, they look great as well, and they are the choice of so many fighters on this UFC roster. I'm sure many of you saw the spot recently with TJ Dillashaw and Dominic Cruz. Forrest Griffin uh, adding to that spot as well. But a lot of these fighters, Dominic Cruz and the rest, they're driving Toyo tires as we speak. Tough people love tough tires. Toyo tires have been proven time and time again. So if you are tough, these are the tires for you. Toyo tires. So the next time you need tires, and it happens more often than you think, ask for Toyo, the official tire of the UFC. Learn more at toyotires.com slash UFC, toyotires.com slash UFC. All right, UFC featherweight championship, Brian T-City Ortega challenging Max Holloway, who has won his last 12 fights. A lot of interesting storylines here. I don't think Max Holloway is going to be a featherweight forever, so we certainly need to enjoy this reign while it lasts. Brian T-City Ortega has tried to contextualize this fight, Kenny, saying that it's the biggest UFC featherweight title fight or most anticipated since the fight between Conor McGregor and Jose Aldo late in 2015. Again, I'm trying to get out of my bad habit of speaking in absolutes, but this fight just feels absolutely massive. And I think the big reason why is because for the first time in at least several fights, you know, it's closer to a pick em, And Max Holloway is fighting a guy that can match some of that size and length and, and real featherweight material in, in Brian Ortega. I think that's accurate. I think it's the biggest featherweight uh, fight since Aldo and McGregor. Um you know, I think it is that big of a fight because we have a guy in Brian Ortega who might just be the dude. He's undefeated. He's 14-0, I believe, heading into this fight uh, against Max Holloway. He's a guy who can beat you in a variety of ways. Uh, he's pretty, pretty much finished everybody, right? Has he finished everybody in the UFC? I have it in front of me. I don't see any decisions. Yeah, he's finished everybody. I, I mean, that's pretty remarkable. Uh, and then you look at the last few fights, it seems like... He's fighting better competition and looking better and better. So that, that's amazing. Right. Um, he's a guy who his best asset really is his composure, his ability uh, to stay grounded, to not get thrown off by what his opponent is doing, uh, to be able to adapt and find the answer, whether it's the beginning of the fight or the end of the fight in the very last round. He just finds a way to win, and he finds a way to put you away. Um, so this is a guy who came in, we knew about his submission prowess. Um, that was, uh, definitely on, on display early in his career. Now we're seeing him knock guys out and knocking guys out that have never been knocked out before. And, right. and a former 155 pound champion in Frankie Edgar, a guy who's a, uh, a sure bet to be a hall of famer. 
Um, it, it's amazing what he's done. And he did that on short notice, by the way. We can't forget about that. So um, it, it, it's amazing. Uh, and we have a guy in Max Holloway who has defeated the greatest featherweight champion of all time uh, in Jose Aldo, not once, but twice, and finished him both times in the third round. So uh, these guys are destined for greatness. One of them uh, certainly is, and and we're going to find out which one. And I think with both these guys and all their weapons and all their abilities to finish the fight and the confidence that they're bringing into this one, um, one of these guys will go down as an all-time great. uh, and, And I think that's what's... Uh, putting everybody on the edge of their seats. I think so too, right? And it's hard to provide any context really for Brian Ortega's career. This is his first championship opportunity. He's a guy not unlike Max Holloway that many people envision eventually making a run up a division in a premier 155-pound UFC division in which the top 10, everybody you fight in the top 10 is a big fight at 155 pounds. I can't wait to see how this plays out. And You're stealing my thunder a little bit in terms of of the Brian Ortega evolution because he's still just 27 years old. And Mm -hmm. we all remember after wins, he's humbly asking, you know, I can't wait to meet my equal in a mixed martial arts setting. I mean, this guy has developed a fan base organically. He's the antithesis of a guy like Colby Covington in a lot of ways, has just gone about everything in the sport seemingly the right way. Yeah. And I think you're going to see that. I think you might see a pro Brian Ortega crowd in Las Vegas Saturday night when he takes on the champion Max Holloway. So, John, and you nailed it. Just to, to go off of what you said, uh, he hasn't taken the road of trash talking his opponents and saying, you know, he'll never be beaten and all this stuff. He's a confident fighter, no doubt about it. But, you know, he, he's a guy who's out there, you know, promoting his uh, Brian Ortega Foundation and basically has uh, gotten all these fans from his performances. So, uh, right. it, it's awesome to see that. Well, finishes are the best way to get fans. That's right. right. I mean, that's especially in a spot like he was in back in March against Frankie Edgar to produce like that. He does have championship experience, too. I mean, outside the UFC, he has been a champion. He has gone five rounds twice yes. before. And a lot of people think if this one goes 25 minutes, you're looking at an instant classic. Um, in terms of Max Holloway and the weight cut, you know, just because a guy always makes weight, Kenny, doesn't mean that there's anything easy about it. And at least at this stage of their respective careers and given their frames, it seems like this is a harder fight before the fight for Max Holloway. So, you know, I, I think Demetrius Johnson's record is in good standing. I think Max Holloway is going to move up sooner rather than later. I, I think depending on the result this Saturday night, it could be the last time we see Max Holloway at 145. I agree with you, man. Uh, and obviously we spoke with Tyler Minton. He would like to see his fighter uh, at 155 pounds. And no one's going to know about weight cuts better than Tyler in, in regards right. to Max Holloway. So, yes, he does cut a lot of weight. Ortega's a good-sized featherweight. No Holloway, doubt. No is, doubt. Holloway is a huge featherweight, and you were talking about the age of Ortega. Holloway's even younger. Uh, he's yeah, even younger, right. and he's had a right. tremendous amount of experience in the UFC, facing high-level guys like Conor McGregor, and he's dealt with you know, n- n- you know, knowing how to lose and knowing how to come back, and going on this crazy win streak uh, that he's on. Um, yeah, I think this is a fighter that's going to be very, very difficult to beat right now. But I agree with you. Uh, this might be the last time because. The other thing is I know he has mentioned that he would like to fight uh, the legend Frankie Edgar at some point in his career, but, I mean, he, you know, he if he beats Ortega, he would beat the guy that finished Frankie Edgar. I don't know if that makes a lot of sense for him to wait around. Um, I right. think that would still be a big fight if he decides to do that, but um, I think Frankie's the only guy really that's left in that division. So uh, right. I agree with You're you. Right. I, I wouldn't be surprised for him to go back uh, 
go up to 155 and, and maybe challenge for the belt right off the bat. Yeah, and in terms of featherweight legacy, you're not going to do better than two head-to-head finishes of Jose Aldo, right? I can understand why, in terms of his his mixed martial arts legacy, the Max Holloway would want to beat Frankie Edgar before moving up. I can understand that because Max is a guy that does care about yes. his all-time status. But I, I think his days, sooner rather than later, are going to be at 155 pounds. One other fight I want to hit on before we get into the picks in the main event challenge, Francis Ngannou taking on the Black Beast, Derek Lewis. Uh, you know, I was Oof. asked earlier this morning on the radio, you know, over, under, a round. I actually think that this thing might see a second round. It's going to be... It's going to be damn fun to watch as it goes down. I mean, these are the type of fights, as fun as they are to call, I think they're even more fun to sit back with jaw dropped and just watch as it unfolds between just two massive, powerful heavyweights. You know, this is a testament to the card that, you know, the strength of the card that, not, you know, I don't know why, but I'm surprised that not as many people are talking about this fantastic 100%. fight. You know, these guys are two heavyweights that can finish the fight in an instant. Both these guys have excellent chins as well, though, so... I agree. We might see it go to the second round, maybe even to the third. If we do, uh, we will have an absolute classic. Uh, I'm curious to see how Francis Ngannou backs, uh, you know, comes back uh, from his last fight against Stipe, already uh, calling for a rematch against Stipe Miocic. He better stay focused, though, on Derek Lewis because Lewis is a guy who's not going to be afraid to throw down. He's going to go for it. Um, Derek just kind of has that I-don't-really-care attitude when he walks into oh, fights, yeah. which makes him that much more dangerous. Uh, so th- this is going to be interesting, man. It's a heavyweight dream fight. I mean, there's no yeah. belt on the line, but I think if you were sort of playing fantasy MMA, this is a fight that a lot of people wanted to put together. And I think it sort of speaks to Derek Lewis's overall approach that he wants to fight, you know, Goliath, right? I mean, yeah. that is Derek Lewis. I know the Verdum fight went away and, and that was disappointing for him day of several months ago, yeah. but he wants Francis Ngannou, you know? You can be sure DC beat Stipe. The last name on the tip of his tongue is going to be Francis Ngannou. Yeah. So, all right, we'll see how that fight plays out. And real quick, just want to get your thoughts on this whole thing with Platinum Mike Perry taking on Paul Felder. I know we touched on it briefly with Ray Longo, at least in the angle for for ally quinta but now justin gaethje takes on james vick and i think more saliently to this conversation paul felder moves up his training camp a week and now he will take on platinum mike perry in the welterweight division he was about 180 pounds when he got the call uh your thoughts on on the new fight that we have here in six days between paul felder and platinum mike perry well listen i'm glad uh for felder who has uh, missed the last couple fights due to you know his opponents dropping out or whatever that that finally he's able to get a fight um, it's an exciting one, man, and, and I think Felder is one of those uh, lightweights that could easily fight at welterweight if he wanted oh, yeah. to. Uh, he's huge for the division, so to see him fight at welterweight, he's probably happy at this point. Doesn't have to, oh. you know, cut as much weight. You know, similar to what we were talking about with Daniel Cormier, he's going to be in a much better mood. He's going to have a lot more energy heading into this fight uh, against Mike Perry, and he's going against another guy who loves to strike, and that's what Felder likes to do. So I, I think this fight is absolutely going to deliver some serious action. Well, and you think about the Boise, Idaho show it was a co-main event. So Paul Felder was on the poster, but he's fighting a six foot three inch James Vick, right? A guy who is similarly ranked, but not entrenched in that magical top seven that can really expedite a run to the top. So in terms of upside, he just got added to International Fight Week to the biggest pay-per-view of the year. I know he's fighting in a prelim on FS1. And to your point, doesn't have to cut weight, which is absolutely no picnic for him. Yeah. 
and of course taking on a guy in platinum mike perry that's going to meet him on a napkin in the center of the octagon you know so a lot of upside and it's been interesting we'll get into it later with the betting line a whole lot to get to 10 total picks coming up from ken flow let's get to it in the main event challenge it's the main event challenge and the time is most definitely now florian i finished fights I'm going to do everything possible to win. The Main Event Challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. All right, we update the standings. Team Anik led at 75-62 going into UFC Singapore. Ooh. You went head-to-head with Josh Hayner. Nice underdog play on Ovin St. Preux out of the flow, but 4-4 at the end of the week. It is 79-66 heading into International Fight Week, but this is your chance to make up some ground. Ten <laughs> picks, nine of which are on the lineup for UFC 226. We have two guest pickers today. First out of the shoot from the 262, Claudia Peterson is with us. Claudia, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. You got a great tone to your voice, Claudia. It's good to have you. Is that southeastern Wisconsin 262? Um, you know, yes, the 262, it is southeastern Wisconsin. My father-in-law is from there, but I actually live in St. Paul, Minnesota. Okay. So you big fight fan. Have you heard of Kenny Florian before today? <laughs> <laughs> um, I am a big fight fan, and I have heard of Kenny Florian. And if I could just add, I am actually originally from Peru. So I oh my gosh, get out of here! That's <laughs> yes, so yes. cool. Yes, I'm from Peru, but grew up in the Miami, Florida area. Ended up in the Midwest because of my husband. So there's some yeah. good ceviche restaurants in Miami. There's many good ceviche restaurants yeah. down in Miami, and I really miss that. We don't really have a lot of that up here in St. Paul. I imagine. Oh, that's 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 cool. That's pretty. I like the Peruvian love on the show today. I wish we were still talking about the soccer outfit in the World Cup. I know. But, uh, but there's always 2022. All right. First fight up for debate today. This is the main event for the Ultimate Fighter finale. First headlining spot for both guys, Israel Adesanya and Brad Tavares. Last style bender, Adesanya, the favorite here, minus 160. Brad Tavares has the bad wheel, so we'll see how the foot holds up. He is the plus 130 underdog. Claudia, Adesanya versus Tavares, who will it be for you? You know, I am going to go with Tavares by third round TKO. I just think this is going to come down to experience, and Tavares has the experience. Um, although Adesanya is undefeated, you know, Tavares hasn't lost since 2015, and two of his last three losses have been to the current champ, Whitaker, and then Romero. So I've got um, Brett Tavares on this one. Yeah, Ken Flo, for Tavares, you do have to feel good for him getting this main event nod here and what will be his 17th UFC appearance, four wins in a row, five of his last six, and the only loss in there, of course, to one Robert Whitaker. The question, I think, Kenny, is just how healthy is Brad Tavares? There were some rumblings that this fight would go right. away, and here it is holding up, and I think we all respect for Tavares for staying in there. But I think at least for gamblers listening to this knowing that context would give you some pause, at least when you're going to the betting window, to, to lay down some cake on Brad Tavares this week. Uh, I hear you, and that's why Claudia has me so nervous making this pick, because Tavares <laughs> does have the experience advantage. Um, I also think he can win this fight by just repeatedly taking Adesanya down mm -hmm. uh, and, and using his submission game, using his uh, ground and pound, and just slowing Adesanya down and kind of shutting down his offense. However... I do need points. I have heard the rumors about Tavares possibly being injured. Um, I got to go without Asanya here. All right, UFC 226 Saturday night. This is a prelim we just referenced. Paul Felder stepping up to welterweight here to face platinum Mike Perry. 
So the sports book that I use does not have this fight on the board right now, so you guys can proceed as if it's a pick and we'll adjust accordingly. When it opened, it looked like Perry was a massive favorite. Now in some spots, it looks as though Paul Felder is actually a slight betting mm. favorite. Very interesting fight here, Claudia. How do you see it playing out between Paul Felder and Mike Perry? You know, I think Paul Felder is going to get the win here, and I think he'll probably get a late-round KO-TKO. I think he's going to be able to defend well those possible takedown attempts from Mike Perry. I think he's definitely going to utilize those spinning back kicks, and he's going to tire Perry out, as we have seen in uh, the last two fights for Perry, and he's probably going to get a knockout late in the third round this way. Yeah, Ken Flo, I wouldn't be surprised to see Mike Perry try to mix in his wrestling. It's something he talked about leading into the Max Griffin fight. It is a two-fight losing streak, though, for Platinum Mike Perry at present. Santiago Ponzinibbio and then the aforementioned Max Griffin. He is now at Jackson Wink MMA in Albuquerque, New Mexico, working closely with Frank Lester and the rest. Your thoughts on Perry in a huge spot for him this weekend against Paul Felt. Yeah, you know, listen, I just think uh, I think Mike Perry hits harder. I think he's the more powerful striker when it comes to the boxing. Um, but I think Felder just has more weapons. I think, you know, you talk about his elbows, his kicking game, his knees, uh, his ability to tie clinch properly and effectively. Uh, I think Felder just has more ways to win. And even, you know, for Mike Perry, yes, he could take you down and ground and pound and, and get maybe a TKO or a knockout that way. Um, but I just think that Felder has seen uh, everything that Mike Perry is coming to the table with. Um, and I think Felder's just the more technical fighter. I think Felder wins this. All right, Paul Felder trying to make it four consecutive wins. He has won his last three, all of them by knockout. All right, next, a big one here, guys, at 135 pounds. The grossly underappreciated Rafael Asuncao, minus 175 favorite against perhaps New England's best hope for UFC glory right now. I mean, we got Manny Bermudez, of course, Ken Flo out of South Shore Sports fighting there in Abington, Massachusetts. But Rob Font is a bantamweight contender right now. That's why he's getting the Asuncao fight. Font is plus 145. Claudia, who will it be, Rob Font or Rafael Asanza? I think it's going to be Rafael Asanza by decision. I think, although both men have a great knockout power, I think Asanza um, is just a more powerful striker. And just the fact that he switches stances a lot and keeps you almost guessing throughout a fight is going to confuse Rob Font, and he's going to force Rob Font to lead and will just counter him the entire time. Asuncao, very smart fighter for sure. And Kenny, what else can you say about this guy? I mean, certainly on the short list of the best fighters and most deserving to have never fought for a UFC title, 10-1 and one at 135 pounds, only loss in there to the current champ TJ Dillashaw, whom he beat back in 2013. And he gets another dangerous finisher here in Rob Font. Your thoughts on this one this weekend? Yeah, listen, Rafael Sunsau really doesn't know what it means to, to lose in, in the yeah. UFC. So um, I, I'm amazed with his consistency, his high level of competition. I think he has faced guys that are a little bit tougher than Rob Font, a little bit more dangerous than Rob Font. Font is dangerous. There's no doubt he's going to be fast. Um, he's precise with his strikes. I just think I just think Sunsau um it is just he has he has too much game too much game for font i think asuncao wins this all right next up i know kenny likes this curtis millinder kid and so does las vegas here he's the minus 170 favorite against max griffin he comes back at plus 140 i guess a couple of intriguing welterweights here claudia depending on who you talk to which one are you back in this weekend curtis millinder or max Payne griffin I'm going to go with Curtis Millinger um, by second round KO or TKO. He has some very impressive knockouts lately. And again, 
uh, just looks like the more powerful fighter, and he's going to just keep it on the feet until he can knock out Max Griffin. Can Flo Griffin coming off the biggest win of his career by far against Platinum Mike Perry his last time out, but he is the underdog here against Curtis Millinder, who beat Tiago Alves in his UFC debut, left with a performance bonus, his seventh consecutive win. Does Millinder make it eight this weekend? Uh, can I just say, Claudia really knows her stuff. She's making Peru very proud right now. Uh, very <laughs> impressed. Um, I got to agree. I, I think, listen, I think Max Griffin's one of those guys who has, he, he's a solid fighter, doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes. He's relatively consistent. But Curtis Millinder just has that extra special quality. And I think him being the longer guy, he knows how to use his reach and mix in some very dangerous strikes. Uh, I think Millinder is the guy who's going to win this fight. All right, two plays there for Curtis Millinder in the minus 170 range. And finally, Claudia, on the way out, a UFC fight pass prelim at lightweight. And I wanted some opinions on this fight because I love it. Dan Hooker, minus 165. Gilbert Durino Burns, plus 135. Claudia, Hooker or Burns for you? Yeah, this was a really tough one to think about. But I'm actually going to go with Gilbert Burns by submission, probably in the second round. Again, these two guys have both excellent knockout power, but I think Burns is going to have to rely on his BJJ skills for this one, um, considering the size discrepancy. And is, he's going to be able to get Hooker down on the ground and get a submission win. All right, Gilbert Durino, Burns, Kenny on an absolute tear. Both of these guys yeah. are. I think Dan Hooker's really been buoyed by a lot of things in his career, moving back up to 155 pounds for sure, but also the success of fellow Kiwis and Australians. I think that this is just a confident group right now that is sort of supporting each other, piggybacking upon one another. He trains with Israel Adesanya there in New Zealand. What do you think, Hooker and Burns? Who do you like? Claudia, you got to give me one of these. Come on, <laughs> stop making these good Killing picks it. here. Jeez. Uh, Dan Hooker is very dangerous. Uh, I think he he's tall. He's rangy. As you said, he's on a nice win streak right now, feeling very confident heading into this fight. Uh, but having worked with Gilbert Burns and knowing his work ethic and seeing what he's capable of and coming off uh, you know, that devastating knockout win uh, in his last one, uh, Burns is very hungry right now, very motivated. I think Gilbert wins this one. I, I think he has more ways to win. Um, yes, Dan Hooker can knock him out as well, but Burns has crazy power, and we all know about his Brazilian jiu-jitsu prowess as the former world uh, jiu-jitsu champion. Um, I, I like Burns. And how about Claudia Peterson stealing Ken Flo's thunder Where do you today, find these people, Anna? <laughs> find, he finds the greatest minds out there on the internet <laughs> talking about fights. Yeah. Well, when, when Ken Flo's changed in diapers, Claudia's on the internet researching mixed Jeez. martial arts. <laughs> my goodness. You, you know something? I also changed diapers, though. I just had my first <laughs> child. Oh, congratulations. Ago, so. That's awesome. <laughs> she does it all. Yeah. Congratulations. Hey, boy or girl, I, Claudia? I have a son. Amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. And thanks to you guys as well. Great job. It's our pleasure. Hopefully you enjoy the fights a little more this weekend, knowing you're going head-to-head -head with Ken Flo. Claudia <laughs> Peterson, only the third or fourth woman, actually, Ken Flo, I think, to make picks here on the show. We encourage more of that, Podcast at gmail.com. If you would like to make selections head-to-head -head against Ken Flo in the main event challenge, Podcast at gmail.com. Com. So I'm just going to rifle through a couple of other of these fights while we get ready for Robbie Fox here. Michael Chiesa and Anthony Showtime Pettis. So this fight was supposed to happen, obviously, back in April, UFC 223, I believe. And Anthony Pettis, I think, 
For a while there, it looked like he was going to fight Khabib Nurmagomedov on fight day. Kiesa taken out of the fight because he had the glass in his head, courtesy of the Conor McGregor dolly. But this is the type of big-name opponent that Michael Chiesa has been trying to get on his resume as a springboard to lightweight contention. Chiesa hasn't fought a whole lot. He's favored to beat Showtime Pettis this weekend, and I think if he gets this one, he'll be in that conversation that he's really been trying to get in since the beginning of 2016. Well, I think this is the kind of fight for me um, that Michael Chiesa needs to win in order to say, okay, this guy, you know, can really make a run at this title. I think those are the kind of guys you have to beat. A guy in Anthony Pettis, a former champion at 155 pounds, a guy that is really dangerous everywhere, uh, a guy with a tremendous amount of experience. If Chiesa can get this win, uh, then I think he's on his way. It'll be interesting to talk to Anthony Showtime Pettis tomorrow when we do the fighter calls because one thing that he spoke about as he was getting ready for the Chiesa fight was that he had basically eliminated regular wrestling from his training regimen and the long trips to go see Izzy in the Midwest and and he felt like getting back to the dynamic athlete that rose to the top and reacted instinctively to what happened inside the octagon would be the better guy it's going to be interesting to see if he actually leaned on the wrestling a little bit now that he had the extra few months to prepare Mm -hmm. for Michael Chiesa. But now with us to make picks for the pay-per-view main card, just like Ken Flo, this guy does not do prelims, folks. On Twitter, you can find him at Robbie Barstool. The great Robbie Fox is with us. Robbie, good afternoon, man. How are you? Great. How are you guys? Well, we are doing well, and we certainly appreciate you taking the time. Before we get to the picks, though, I just need to acknowledge publicly, at least for our listeners, uh, your work in support of Conor McGregor outside the courthouse a few weeks ago. I know I messaged you privately, but you were loud, man. I thought you were authoritative. Uh, he certainly heard you. Uh, you're the King Connor, dude. I've watched it like 10 times. So I know, I mean, obviously none of us condone what Connor was, was doing with the dolly except for you and a few handful of others. But, I mean, that day had to go about as well as you had projected when you left your house that morning. Oh, my God. It was like a dream come true. We showed up to the courthouse super early. We were, like, really trying to find it for a while. We didn't know where it was. As soon as we showed up, Connor and his whole squad pulled up and – I was just causing a scene. I was screaming at the top of my lungs that the dolly slipped, that Connor didn't mean to throw it, that if he did mean to throw it, the bus driver asked him to throw it. It, it was it was a scene. I think I was quoted in in the New York Times and the New York yeah. Daily News saying that you know if if Connor did do anything wrong, who cares? Let him go. Uh, it, it was crazy, and the fact that uh, you know I was kind of brought over to where Connor would be to meet him was yeah. absolutely insane. Yeah. I mean, John, he, he put his left hand on my shoulder to take a picture with me. Robbie, it had to be at least 20 pounds. We're <laughs> seeing that picture right now, and, and I think you're right. I think it's ridiculous that the bus was in the way of that dolly. I mean, it's irresponsible of that bus driver to park that bus right there in the way of Connor practicing his throws. Finally, someone's talking sense yeah. around here. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. It is. You know, it wasn't a chance meeting, though, as we hear from you there. I mean, he seemed just as excited to meet you as you were him. I thought that's what made it so powerful. He was genuinely excited to meet you. He's got the damn thumbs up in the picture. I mean, what else do you want? Man, it was crazy. He actually he followed me on Twitter like the week before. And I thought like, oh, my God, I can't get better than this. You know, (laughs) Conor McGregor, I have I'll pull up the DM every now and then. And I've never shot him a message, but I just want to know that I can if I want to. You know, I was over the moon. I couldn't believe it. And then for us to meet the next week, it was it was crazy. I'll be back outside the courthouse, you know, later this month, of course, as well. (laughs) We know you will. But, dude, you got that direct line now with Conor McGregor. It's a very powerful thing. I mean, you know that in that moment the only thing that he was thinking about was Robbie Fox 
That's true. I would be shocked if I wasn't walking him out to the octagon this next fight. I know. Well, I, 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 you know, I mean, you took the words out of my mouth. I think there's something in your future. Maybe during fight week, he will request to only interview with you or something, which I think would be very exciting. But we got to get to the picks. I, I think you're very talented, obviously. So does Barstool Sports, and they've recognized that. You're a massive UFC fan, though, so I wanted to bring you on to make some picks today. First fight on the main card, Gokin Saki minus 150, Khalil Roundtree Jr., the slight underdog at plus 120. Some bad blood here. We like heat. These guys don't like each other. They've been booked to fight before. It shall be done Saturday night. Robbie, who do you like, Gokan Saki or Khalil Roundtree Jr.? So I do want to preface this with the fact that you just said I'm a massive UFC fan, and that is very true. I am far from what you would call an analyst. So I'm going to try my best here. I think I have a good grasp of a lot of these fights. And in this one, I'm taking the dog. I'm taking Roundtree. Um, I don't think either one of these guys has necessarily the best cardio. Uh, Saki never like really showed issues with it in K1 or Glory or anything like that. But he had that one UFC fight in September, and it was a first-round knockout over Henrique Da Silva. And right after it, he was completely gassed. And it could be jitters. It could be – I know there was a, a long layoff – but I think he is the superior striker. I just think, from what I've seen in the octagon, Roundtree hits harder. I think this this one's going to be either over fast or with a with a quick knockout from either one of these guys, or it's going to be kind of a grinding out win from Roundtree because we haven't seen Saki have to face grappling in the past. Uh, Khalil, not a, a superior, amazing wrestler, but I think he can neutralize Saki. Yeah, and I think Roundtree has worked very hard, Kenny, on his conditioning, yeah. so it'll be there late in round three if need be. A lot of amateur MMA experience as well for Khalil Roundtree Jr., who obviously has more MMA experience than his counterpart, Gokan Saki. Pro MMA debut for him was in 2004, and then his next fight was his UFC debut that Robbie referenced there, um, a knockout late last year. So Saki or Roundtree Jr., as the slight dog, Ken Flo, who do you like? Listen, I, I think this is excellent matchmaking here. I, I think Roundtree is definitely capable of getting the win here uh, over the, the legendary striker, uh, Gokan Saki. Uh, but I don't think he gets it done here. I, I think Saki is going to be uh, a little bit too quick for him. I think he lands uh, the more precise strikes and, and gets a knockout probably early in this fight. All right, next up at 155 pounds, we talked about it briefly there. Michael Chiesa, minus 160. Anthony Showtime Pettis coming back as the plus 140 underdog. Robbie Fox, you going to take the guy in Chiesa who was unfit to fight because of the Dolly incident? I mean, as a Conor McGregor guy, I'm not sure how you can back Chiesa this weekend. You know what? It was tough, but we're going to have to let bygones <laughs> be bygones and, and say hand up. That's on Conor. I'm taking Chiesa in this one. Uh, okay. But this one is so tricky because I think no matter what, I would love for this to be a war. I think it's going to be one-sided one way or the other. I think either Michael Chiesa is going to go out there with a great game plan where he pressures and has, has Pettis on his back foot. And really, I mean, the thing I would like to see him do is get inside the pocket like Poirier did. Obviously, he's not the striker that Poirier is. But I could also see Pettis coming out and just like kind of annihilating Chiesa with with kicks and and just really fast jabs. I don't know what kind of version what version of Pettis we'll see in the octagon though, because right. he's not the fighter he once was. I mean, no, no disrespect by that, but it seemed like for a long time, you know, he was so ahead of the game and so who could ever possibly beat Anthony Pettis, and now he's on par with a lot of these guys. So right. I, I I do think. Kies is going to get this one done. His hands are like deceptively heavy where he, you know, seriously rocked uh, Masvidal a few years ago. Um, and 
I, I do think if he uses his length as well as he normally does, but then also transitions and gets inside the pocket and pressures and, and just keeps up a rabid pace, um, I do think he has to get this one done. I think he has the advantage on the ground as well. If this one goes to the ground, I can't see any way where uh, Anthony Pettis, who is a great grappler, can submit Kiesa just because of his, his crazy length. Oh, he is just massive, and he should be fresh, Kenny. Since 2015, Kiesa has been in the octagon for less than 11 minutes. Pettis has had six fights in that time. Not sure if that's a factor, but Kiesa just has not fought a lot. He's been out of sight, out of mind. Which way are you going, kid, Kiesa or Pettis? Well, Kiesa will be fresher. He'll also be uh, very hungry heading into this fight against Anthony Pettis. And you look at you know the fights that they've had. Pettis has taken a lot of damage uh, in his last few fights. Um, geez, you know, this is a tough one for me. When I look at the skills, when I look at the skills of the fighter, to me, Anthony Pettis is just the more skillful fighter. I think there's more ways for him to win. However, wrestlers, uh, grinders like Michael Chiesa have given him a lot of trouble in the past. Um, uh, you know, Chiesa's reach kind of concerns me here. I do need points. I do think Pettis is the better striker. I do think Chiesa does make mistakes on the feet. Um, he hasn't uh, kind of come with the same progress uh, on the feet that he has with uh, on on the ground, uh, so I'm going to go with Pettis here. Well, and and if he is to be taken at his word, back in April when we sat down with him before this fight went away, he's going to come out like a bat out of hell, right? He yes. understands that Kies is probably going to shoot and shoot early if he can't get that jab going early, and Pettis will be ready for it and try to bring the fight back into his wheelhouse. All right, at heavyweight, the Black Beast, Derek Lewis. Trying to come through here as a plus 280 underdog against the division's number one contender, Francis Ngannou, who is minus 360. A lot of people expecting Ngannou to bounce back viciously here after the title loss to Stipe back in January. Robbie Fox, the floor is yours. You going with Ngannou or Derek Lewis? I'm going with Ngannou. I love this fight. I think this fight is awesome. I love both of these fighters. Um, and it's tough for me to go with Ngannou. But I'm not going to discredit his hands just because of what happened in January against Stipe, who is obviously Derek Lewis is not the fighter that Stipe is, but his cardio, uh, Francis Ngannou's cardio, seems to be an issue. And I don't know how much you could possibly improve that cardio from January to July, but I guess we'll see. And I'm taking Ngannou by first round knockout. I, I don't think that Derek Lewis necessarily has the strength to drag Ngannou to the ground and hold him there. Um like Stipe was able to do. So I'll, I'll take him by first-round knockout. I could kind of see this one in my head. This plays out exactly as the Alistair Overeem Francis Ngannou fight does. Interesting. 14th UFC appearance, Ken Flo, for Derek Lewis. He's won seven of his last eight. He's the more known quantity here. Yeah. We'll see what type of improvements Francis Ngannou has made since January. Which way you going, Kit? I'm smiling just thinking about this fight. It's going to be ridiculous. I don't think it lasts that long. I don't think it's going to go the distance. Um, listen, I got to agree with Robbie here. I, I think Ngannou wins this one. I think he's a little bit more precise. I think he hits harder. I think he might have the better chin as well. Uh, but this is kind of one of those where if either of these guys lands a clean shot, whoever lands that first one uh, will win the fight. But I, I think Ngannou uh, will get the win. I think he's tailor-made for these kind of fights. All right, now to the co-headliner, UFC featherweight championship, Max Holloway, the minus 145 favorite to defend his title against Brian T. City Ortega, who is plus 125. For true fans of MMA, disclaimer here, this is about as good as it gets for me on paper. This is a dream matchup. I can't wait to see it. Robbie Fox, the question to you, who leaves Vegas as the UFC featherweight champ? 
Have you guys seen the uh, the GIF and the video of that fan uh, way back in the day UFC with UFC painted on his forehead and just bleed painted on his chest? <laughs> yes. Just flexing his guts out? Because when this fight starts and, and Bruce Buffer says it's time, I am going to rip my shirt off no matter where I am and just be flexing my head off because, oh, my God, this is a fight. I cannot wait for this. And I truly have no idea what's going to happen. I have no idea. I love Max Holloway. He's one of my favorite fighters to watch. And I also think, bringing it back to Conor McGregor, that he, other than Khabib, is the hardest matchup for Conor in the entire UFC. I think he's absolutely superb. What he did to Jose Aldo, him offering to step in against Khabib at UFC 223 was just crazy and, and shows you how much of a warrior he really is. Brian Ortega... I feel like he's had a thousand wins, and I mean, he has had a thousand wins where it looks like he's out of it, it looks like he's out of it, it looks like he's out of it, and then he just pulls through. So he's a guy that you could never really count out. Him knocking out Frankie Edgar shows his power. Frankie Edgar having never been knocked out in his career before that. So this is so tough for me to call, but I'm going to call Max Holloway here. I'm going to say a third round knockout for Max Holloway. I think he's too crisp with his footwork and just with the way he's so precise in his strikes. And we saw that against Aldo twice. Like, we're talking Jose Aldo, one of the greatest fighters of all time. I mean, Max Holloway made him look like a shell of himself. So I have to go with Holloway. I think Holloway's one of the most uh, skilled pound-for-pound fighters the UFC has. But I honestly wouldn't be shocked if Brian Ortega pulls out a crazy submission out of nowhere. Yeah, great chance for both guys to sort of stake some sort of pound-for-pound claim this weekend, Holloway and Ortega. So Ken Flo fought for this very belt back in 2011. Flo, I bet you're excited you're not having to fight one of these guys this weekend. <laughs> these guys <laughs> these guys are beasts, man. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, it's tough, man. I picked against Ortega in his last one against Frankie. I thought Cub was going to beat him as well. I ate my words there. I might be eating my words yet again. I- I'm going to go with Max Holloway. Um, I think Holloway's one of those guys. Not only is he so skillful, Robbie, but I think he's one of those guys. He's one of the more intelligent fighters in the octagon he knows Uh what to do he knows when to do it i don't see him making a huge mistake here against a guy like ortega although if ortega gets him on the on the mat mistake or not ortega wins this fight he will submit max holloway Uh, no doubt about it but i don't think he's able to do it i don't think he's going to be able to take down holloway ortega not really known for his takedown game so um, I think Holloway finds a way to keep this one on the feet and, and avoids that big power of Ortega. Ortega might even be uh, the guy who hits harder in this fight. Holloway, just so consistent, puts together some of the more beautiful combinations you will see in this sport. Max Holloway, I think, retains the belt here. Does he finish him? You got a round for him. That's right. Which Sorry. Yeah, let's go. Let's go with a uh, fourth round TKO for Holloway. Fourth round TKO for Max Holloway. All right, finally, Robbie Fox, the super fight for the UFC heavyweight title. Stipe Miocic, the hunted right now. Daniel Cormier trying to take his belt and become just the second simultaneous two-division champion in UFC history. Stipe about minus 250, DC plus 200 or so. Robbie, who do you like in the super, in the super fight? Excuse me. I hate doing this to Stipe twice in a row. I, I, I got to admit, I picked against him with Francis, and I'm picking against him here. I'm taking Daniel Cormier. After UFC 220, immediately, you know, everyone at the press conference, they, they were the hushes of, of who's next for Stipe, who's next for Stipe. There wasn't a real right. contender. And one name came up, and everyone was kind of just like, 
I think it's DC. And there were the questions about, well, will he, would he do that with Kane and, and all that? It finally got booked. This is an awesome, awesome, awesome main event for International Fight Week. This is a super fight of the highest caliber. We got the most dominant heavyweight champion of all time against a guy that was 13-0 at heavyweight, moved down to light heavyweight, is now the most dominant light heavyweight of all time, uh, other than John Jones, of course, who, you know, there's an asterisk there, so that's a tricky situation. But this is just so, so, so good. I'm taking Cormier by fourth-round submission. Uh, I think he's going to be able to wear Stipe down. Uh, we've never seen him have issues against people bigger than him, except Jones, and it, I don't even think the size was necessarily an issue there. He fought at heavyweight before, so I don't think the 8-inch reach advantage is going to play a huge factor for Stipe, especially considering Stipe isn't a guy that like necessarily uses that uh, reach that he usually has over guys. He, he He's tighter with his strikes and, and more close up. Um I, I Both of them are great wrestlers, so I don't think anyone's getting ragdolled here, but I just do think that Cormier, a better chin at heavyweight, will be able to withstand the first storm through Stipe and then be able to drag him to the ground and, and grind out a submission. And can you imagine the reaction, Ken Flo, wow. from Daniel Cormier if he submits Stipe and becomes the UFC heavyweight champion? Your final thoughts on this UFC heavyweight title fight with your selection. Interesting, interesting from Robbie here. Uh, well, this is a fascinating fight. Uh, both guys, tremendous champions. Daniel Cormier, I think, um, isn't, you know, in just in doing some film study, I feel much better about this fight uh, for Daniel Cormier than I did before. Uh, I think Stipe, yes, he's still dangerous. Yes, uh, he hits harder when it comes to boxing. Um, but I think DC is going to be able to avoid those heavy strikes. I think he's going to find a way uh, to utilize his dirty boxing, get into the clinch, work some takedowns here or there, um, you know, kind of keep Stipe uh, on the defensive a little bit. I think that's what he needs to do. He needs to be able to stock Stipe. Uh, DC will not win this fight if he is being backed up uh, by the heavyweight champion. Uh, he has to lead the dance here. He has to get the, st- uh, the the heavyweight champ moving backwards in this fight. Stock him with takedowns. Uh, enter with sharp combinations. Utilize some kicks. Uh, and uh, I think DC wins this fight uh, by decision. Wow. Robbie Fox, BarstoolSports.com on Twitter. You can find him at Robbie Barstool. Appreciate you coming on today, man. Great work. We'll keep tracking you. Thanks so much, dude. Thank you guys so much. This was this was uh, uh, meant the world to me to be on. So. Enjoy the card on Saturday. Safe travels and all that. Thank you so much. Great Thank job, you, buddy. Dude. You too. There he is, Robbie Fox, with us here for the main event challenge. Ken Flo, any chance that you change your picks by the time the pre-fight show rolls around on Saturday night for either of the two fu- two title fights, based upon what you see, maybe Friday at the weigh-in or otherwise? Yeah, absolutely. Listen, th- there's always a chance, just due to uh, how they look on the scale. Uh, also, on Fight Week, as you well know, you know you hear certain things uh, that you might not hear otherwise. And, and being on the ground in Vegas, uh, you have access to that kind of information. So uh, who knows? We will see, man. And I will see you there. I get in July yeah. 4th as well, buddy. You can catch Ken Flo on the pre- and post-fight shows on FS1. Also, don't forget the Hall of Fame induction ceremony I'll be hosting. I'll also be inducting Bruce Connell, which I'm, I'm very That's excited awesome. To have the chance to do that. So if you can't be with us in Vegas, you can see that, I believe, sometime around 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 Pacific on Thursday, July 5th. And, of course, the big pay-per-view coming up on Saturday night. 
Until then, thanks to everybody at Fox Sports. Thanks to Ray Longo, Robbie Fox, Claudia Peterson. Until next Monday, enjoy the hell out of UFC 226 and the tough finale. We will recap it for you on Monday, July 9th. Yo, later. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.